So to give you an uh, to give you an example, when you're studying, uh, now is the time for studying online. Before that did not exist, where you can study online with a teacher. Now, as soon as you start studying online, it opens up the option to have recordings. So that if you miss a class, it's recorded. When you had to attend live, and then you had to take special permission, can I actually record the class? But now that it's happening online with Zoom and places like that, the recording function is there by default. So what happens with a lot of students, they start afresh, they pay the money, they pay fees, they pay the, you know, and then they start and they're all fresh. And then after that, something happens and you miss your class. I think, oh, it's recorded anyway. I'll listen to it later. This is the fitna of recording. Okay, this is the fitna of recording. I'll, I'll do it later. So then you miss the one class. The next day, something else comes up and you think, well, that's recorded as well. I'll do that one later. And then the third one you manage to do, but then the fourth one, something else comes up. Oh, I'll do that later. It's recorded anyway. Now you've got three classes to catch up on your weekend. And the classes will carry on the next Monday and Tuesday, you know. And that weekend it was busy, so now you've got three on your mind and that weighs on your head. And as soon as that starts weighing on your head, it starts destroying everything about you. Your whole system is destroyed as soon as you get concerned about it. And then it's like, I can't go on to the next class until I've listened to this. But I don't have time to listen to this and then eventually you just don't take it. So then should we not have recordings? Well, the problem with not have recordings is because too many people are too busy these days and there are genuine times where they don't want to miss a class, but then they'll miss it. So I don't know what's right and what's wrong. You know, it's just everybody's personal discipline. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد To carry on with our series on Ibn Ata'illah Iskandari's uh, the Book of Wisdoms, which is his Kitabul Hikam, we're on page 113, and it's the last wisdom on the page, which say, which is 194. This is what he says. He says, um, it's a, quite a simple one tells us why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated worships for us at particular times and the wisdom behind this it may be something that we've never heard uh, before to be honest in this with this perspective so this is what he says he says Allah laid down specific times for acts of obedience so that procrastination not divert you from them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fixed worships for particular times so that our natural desire to delay things and push things back and do them later, procrastination, not divert us from them. And He made each time, the time that He fixed, He made each time span ample so that you would also have a share in making the choice. So while he fixed times, they weren't five minutes, fixed five minutes or ten minutes. He actually gave us the shortest time for any prayers over 
an hour or more, right? So which still gives our nafs a room to play with. It's amazing the psychology that's uh, involved in here because it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what, he's, that's what we're going to be looking at today. It's telling us the wisdom of why prayers, fasting, um, even zakat and hajj in particular, why it's all at certain times. They're obligations, but they're in certain times. The reason is that it is a um, human trait. It's a human trait that we delay. Uh, I would say probably most people like to put off things. Some people are very regimented. They're very regimental. They try to make everything be on time. But both of those things are problematic. If somebody's regimental all the time, the problem is not everybody else in the world that you rely on, that you do things with, that you collaborate with, they don't always play ball with you. And then you get upset for nothing. Because I want everything on time. But the problem is that I'm not always with people, the team, or my neighbor, or my classmates, or the bus, or whatever it is that's going to be on time. So, so that's why there's a bit of everything in this. So, but it's part of the nafs that we delay, procrastinate, and just leave off for a while. And then we have big hopes as well, that's the thing. We still have hopes. We always have hopes. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do that as well. So now, what they're saying is that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had left it at our, to our choice, that look, you need to do prayers five times a day, then eventually a person probably would end up never turning to their lords. Never turning to their lords. A person will probably end up never because they'll be procrastinating, leaving today's prayers for the evening and eventually that will get too much and then you leave it for the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. So to give you an, uh, to give you an example, when you're studying, uh, now is the time for studying online. Before that did not exist where you can study online with a teacher. Now, as soon as you start studying online, it opens up the option to have recordings so that if you miss a class it's recorded when you had to attend live and then you had to take special permission can I actually record the class but now that it's happening online with zoom and places like that the recording function is there by default so what happens with a lot of students they start afresh they pay the money they pay fees they pay the you know and then they start and they're all fresh and then after that something happens and you miss your class I think oh it's recorded anyway I'll listen to it later this is the fitna of recording. Okay, this is the fitna of recording. I'll, I'll do it later. So then you miss the one class. The next day, something else comes up and you think, well, that's recorded as well. I'll do that one later. And then the third one you manage to do, but then the fourth one, something else comes up. Oh, I'll do that later. It's recorded anyway. Now you've got three classes to catch up on your weekend. And the classes will carry on the next Monday and Tuesday, you know. And that weekend it was busy. So now you've got three on your mind and that weighs on your head. And as soon as that starts weighing on your head, it starts destroying everything about you. Your whole system is destroyed as soon as you get concerned about it. And then it's like, I can't go on to the next class until I've listened to this. But I don't have time to listen to this. And then eventually you just don't take it. So then should we not have recordings? Well, the problem with not have recordings is because too many people are too busy these days. And there are genuine times where they don't want to miss a class. But then they'll miss it. So I don't know what's right and what's wrong. You know? It's just everybody's personal discipline. Same thing will happen with worship. 
In fact, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated worship and is fard in certain times, there are still people who end up praying, hoping to pray at least all five prayers at night in Isha time, or missing the Fajr at least, or missing uh, maybe Dhuhr, or missing Asr somewhere or the other. So imagine if there was no time at all, where you just were given, okay, you need to do this many prayers in your life. We'd probably, most of us would probably end up dying without fulfilling them, except the few. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had absolute knowledge about how human beings are and His servants, that especially He's talking about those who the love of Allah is not strong enough in them to get them up and to do what it is. Those who have love of Allah, they will not never forget this. Because when your beloved wants something from you, then you consider it a crime, even if they don't, to not do that. Because the love is what dictates you and it drives you and it pushes you. This is what it is. If for those people who the love does not inspire and, does, and just mere interest does not create the push in them, so what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has driven us with chains. With chains. And the chain is, you better pray at this time. What are the chains actually? The chains are, there's the hellfire. What Be careful of the hellfire. Be careful of the hellfire. Beware of the hellfire. So that's the stick that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us of. Or then he's laid out a whole net of carrots, which means a whole net of merits and bonuses and rewards with the bounties of Jannah, with the constant descriptions of Jannah. One of these should work for us. They should all work for us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised those who are obedient to him and who try to get close to him by an everlasting bounty. Everlasting bounty. Not just some that you enjoy your time for a few months and then a calamity hits you. Or that you enjoy for a few years and then you become sick, so sick that your life becomes miserable. This is the hereafter where there will be no misery. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated upon us something by which we can show we're obedient to Allah. Otherwise, how else would slaves show their slaves if there was nothing to show? All we're doing when we're making salat is we're showing we're slaves to Allah. That's what He wants. Here you go, Allah. This is I'm your slave. I'm offering this to you. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for us and said, okay, you have to do it at these times. And of course, if He left that, then very few, only those people with strong love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a very strong um, I've, I've come across people, they've told me that the only reason I pray sometimes is because I'm just hellfire. I've not really developed the love yet. It's not in my radar. The love for Allah, that's not. A lot of people are like that. They're just like, man, I don't want to go to hellfire. That's what scares me. But I think if we focus on the love of Allah, that would be a much more profitable way of doing it. Be a lot more inspirational, a lot more beneficial. And a lot easier. You know when you have to do something rather than out of fear, out of hope, for some kind of... This isn't even hope for paradise. This is just hope that I want to you know, be a good lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, though Allah, He says that, however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fixed the time, but He has kept the time 
with enough, uh, with enough scope in there so that you can still do your things. Because a person, if it was 10 minutes, you may not have wudu, you may not be in the state to do that. You may be some urgent thing comes up, but you've got a one hour, two hours, five hours. And in summer in England, you have, I don't know, 10 hours for certain prayers or even more. Right? So, you see, humans always like choice. And this is psychology. Always give them or at least make them imagine they've got choice. But we have choice. So we've got the choice of when you can pray Asr. So that's really easy. It makes things easy when you give them choice. You still have to do it, but I'll give you choice. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed dhuhr to be done until asr. It's not even makruh. Not that you should delay because there is superiority of doing dhuhr earlier rather than later. There is some difference on whether it's when it's very hot and when's the best time to keep jama'ah so that you don't have to force people to go out in the peak sun, sun in hot countries, for example. You say delay it then maybe, you know. That's a different issue. At the end of the day, your salat will not be even makruh if you delayed it to Asr time, no, sorry, just before Asr time. Thereafter that, we've got Asr that can be delayed until the reddening of the sun if you really have to push it. It does get makru in that case, but you've got enough time before that. But Allah says, look, until the sun actually starts setting, you can get your Asr in. And then Maghrib until Isha, though it is superior to do it sooner than later, but still, it's still Ada. There are some people who have a misunderstanding in this that if you don't do it within the first 15-20 minutes then it's like qadha. Then I might as well pray later. It's actually completely wrong. The proper maghrib time remains until isha time. Yes, it's superior to do it earlier and it's makru the more you delay it but it's still time. It's still not qadha. So you're still better off doing it until isha time comes in. And then after that you've got isha time until the night until Fajr technically until Fajr all the way you don't want to delay because you may um, there's a lot of people who try to follow the sunnah of trying to do tahajjud and then witr and they miss their witr now if you miss tahajjud and you slept it's okay you know you've not got a sin but if you miss witr then you got a problem the other day somebody told me I've missed quite a few withers because I can't wake up I said please just do your witr first and if you wake up you can do your tahajjud it's not wrong to do tahajjud without witr but at least you're not messing uh, you're not uh, missing your witr. And then, mashallah, the Fajr time we have at least, uh, at least one and a half hours, or more actually, depending on what time of the year is where you are. So the reason why all of these are fixed times is just so that Allah protects us from procrastination, which would eventually just lead to abandoning them. And that's why the idea is that along with your faraid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed, uh, told us to do sunnah prayers, so that if we do uh, you know, if you are attacked, if there's a castle and it's attacked, they have, they have many points of defense. So at the end of the day, if something gets attacked, it's the outer walls, it's not the inner sanctuary. Right? And that, that's the same thing. If something does go wrong, then it's our nafil we'd get affected. Worst comes to worst, it's our sunnas that get affected, but not our fard. Now, if you're only doing fard, then can you imagine that if anything is going to go, it's going to be our fard prayer that it's going to go. Now, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had fixed it just to 10 minutes, it would have been immense amount of difficulty because you'd have to, your literally day would be, you'd have to wait for those 10 minutes, jalli namaz do the salat at that time, and then, okay, I'm done. But then you may need to go and relieve yourself at that time. You may be just very hungry, or you may just not have wudu, or you may... It, so. That's why um, there's a statement 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to his servant, didn't I bring you out of nothingness? Bring you out of non-existence. You did not exist before. I brought you into existence. And then after that, I supported you. I extended to you your energy, your physical capacity, the food you needed, the nourishment you needed. All of this came from my providence. All of this came from my grace. All of this came from my benevolence and generosity. Think about it. I gave you eyes to see with. I basically gave you light. Light is one of the most important things in this world. Both the physical light outside, light in our hearts, which is Iman, and light in terms of what we see. This is all types of light. That's why Allahu Nuru Samawati Walart. Why did I give you light? So that you could by that conceive, perceive, and comprehend the various different signs of my capability, my power, and my major signs. So the sign that you have, that the light that you have is supposed to be to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala signs around us. Thereafter, I also gave you inner light, basira, inner light and vision so that you could actually start comprehending uh, my message, my commands, my address to you. Why, why is all of this for? If somebody thinks that they're only doing worship because it's to protect from hellfire, then that's wrong. Because the real reason we want to do it is to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is to express our servitude. Because to be honest, even paradise is just a means. The only reason we want to go to paradise is because that's where it's promised that you'll get to see Allah every week. There's nowhere else that Allah has promised to be that you can come and visit me except in paradise that's why we want to go to paradise now can you imagine from the idea that oh I just want to go to paradise because I really want to enjoy it there there's some really nice whatever you want to think of that's great that's fine those are just side perks I think Keep the gaze, because all of those things will just be given to us anyway. The main focus is that we want to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because after meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, everybody will see Him. The only other time that you'll be able to see Him all the time is going to be in paradise. That's why we go to paradise. So, I've given you light in the various different forms. I've given you your capacity, your ability, your physical capability and everything else. So by doing good deeds, and then I've obligated these good deeds for you, so then you can uh, stay away from my punishment, and you can hope for my reward. So then what I did was, I didn't just make this obligatory on you to pray salat five times a day and do all of these other things. I said, you know what, do them, but I'm also going to reward you for do them. Subhanallah. That's amazing. going to reward you for the work that you do. It's like, take care of your family and I'm going to reward you for that. Uh, eat and I'm going to reward you for that. Like, it's to my own benefit, I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm going to reward you for that, if you do shukr. However, just to make sure you stay on track, I also warned you of punishment if you oppose. Then after that, the things that I've made obligatory on you, the a'mal I've made obligatory on you, are only the amount that I know you have the capability 
Allah declares that in the Quran, I've only made those things which are within your capability. And then after that, I even made it easy for you that you don't have to do it in five minutes or ten minutes. You know, I've given you an hour, two hours or more to be able to do this in. And then the other thing is that if you miss any of this, any of the obligations, I've given you your whole life until you die. I've just not told you when you're going to die. But if you manage to fulfill whatever you've missed from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, by the time you end your life, you've managed to fulfill it, I'm still willing to forgive you. I'm still willing to accept it from you. Now that's the amazing part. The qada, you see how powerful the qada is? And mashallah, I'm getting to know more and more people who finish their qada, alhamdulillah. This is amazing. In the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, it was only two and a half years that he ruled for. But mashallah, the effect that he had on the people, the top-down effect, was that people were, their conversation became, brother, how many qadas you got left? You know. Nowadays, it's, uh, how many bitcoins are you, have you got? You know. What about Ethereum or whatever it's called? Which one's going up? Tell me. You know, yeah, I've been a bit slow in that. But how many properties do you have? That's the discussion because that's the big boom right now, right? But that's what it was. It was, how many salats have you finished? How many have you got left? And mashallah, I'm, you know, mashallah, there's a lot of people who have started to do them now. And, uh, and some people, mashallah, they don't have many qadas or they've got no qadas as well. Alhamdulillah. May Allah make us all from that. But you just have to start. If we die trying, then at least we're on the path. That's the main thing. If we die trying, we're, all, we're definitely on the path. So Allah is saying, look, I'll give you until the end of your life. However, you don't know when you're going to die. Yes, you've got averages. 60 years, 70 years. Your dad died at 90. Maybe you got longer. It runs in your genes. Right? But try to get it done sooner. Don't wait until the end. And then he says, who's stopping you from doing it? What's stopping you from doing it? What are your excuses? What are the obstacles in your path from doing the good that I've told you to do? So that means that only if I've given you so much opportunity, then that means that the only thing which can stop you is your own deviance. There's nothing else that can stop you. And that's why there's an Arabic saying, and I think you can have that in English. It says, Man talaba jaba. For those who understand Arabic, this is a really interesting saying. It says, Man talaba jaba. Wa man haba khaba. Basically, whoever goes and avid, avidly seeks out, they will eventually get through. They'll be successful, essentially. Jaba means to kind of get through and penetrate. Which means that, you know, if you're a person who makes an effort and is brave enough, takes the risk and goes and does what they can, you'll get through. Meaning, go and do your worship. Just do it. Because whoever keeps fearing for whatever reason, I'm fearing what somebody says, what uh, my friends are going to say, what this person's going to say, what that person is going to say. Because I, as I've mentioned a few times before, that one of the biggest debilitating factors in our life is our weird individual cultures that we have that, are, that, that suffocate us, that don't let us do what's really right and we're never free until you can get out of that. Whether that be your family culture, your friend culture, or your home culture, you have to set yourself free from that. The culture needs to be the culture of Allah. That's what it needs to be. No culture besides that is going to, that's, that, that's all imprisonment. So then he says, whoever keeps fearing, whoever is scared, then they're going to be lost. That's the, that's the, 
principle of the world, isn't it? And that's why, look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Allah just wants us to make the effort and try. Put the, put the time into it. This is the verse of the Quran, Surah Al-Ankabut. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in six, uh, verse 69 of it, where He connects making an effort and guidance. See, because a lot of us, we think that, oh, if only Allah can just place it into my heart and uh, give me the, 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 the desire and uh, the interest and the addiction to doing this, then it'll become so easy. But then, then that means we don't have choice then. Then it's just like, okay, we got an addiction. You know? Allah wants us to do it from choice and then it will become like that. He wants us to show the first step. So that's why Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِيْنَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُولَنَا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَعَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Those who make an effort in us, will guide them to our paths. That's a guarantee. Make the effort and Allah will guide not one day. It might take five days. It might take five months. But Allah wants to see the effort that we put in. Now if you're going to say that, oh, I don't enjoy my prayer, so why should I pray? We, we need to show the effort. Allah is with the ones who do good. So that's the assistance of Allah. He just, let's try and Allah will make it better. Another poet says, لَوْ صَحَّ مِنْكَ الْهَوَى أُرْشِدْتَ لِلْحِيَلِ وَالصِّدْكُ سَيْفٌ يُنِيلُ غَايَةَ الْأَمَلِ فَكُنْ أَخَى هِمَّةٍ تَسْمُو بِصَاحِبِهَا وَلَا تَكُنْ بِالتَّوَانِ مُحْبَطَ الْعَمَلِ What that basically means, and I think this can, this can, this is a wisdom for basically anything in this world. Right? And you'll see that successful people, this is exactly what they do. He said that if the desire from you is solid, like if you have proper desire in you, then you'll be guided to the strategies. People who have a proper desire to do the right thing, then even though there may be an obstacle, there may be an issue, there may be a con confusion or a complication, you'll, you'll figure it out. Right? You'll figure it out. If you really have a desire to help somebody, you'll figure it out. You know, you get a builder, and you tell him to do this, and if they're not somebody who has... Who, who a builder, plumber, anybody, uh, or an electrician, it's a bit complicated, right? Because you have to get from here to there, and it's not straightforward. So no, no, you can't do it. Let's just, um, ex let, let's just expose the pipes and do it outside, and it looks ugly. But the guy who has a, you know, who's got some sense, he's saying, no, 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 I'm going to make a bit more effort, I'm going to do it through the wall. Yes, it's going to take a bit longer, but at least it's going to look good as well. So once you really want to do something, Allah helps you. You will be guided towards the strategies. Allah has given the insan an amazing mind, amazing mind to come up with strategies. And then he says that if you're truthful as well, you have the sincerity, truthfulness, sincerity is the sword, the weapon, which will allow you to attain your objectives. You have to have a true, sincere longing to get what you want as well. Right? So you have to, uh, you have, to have this, uh, let's get it, attitude and sincerity. And inshallah, you, then he says, uh, be somebody with high aspiration. <coughs> high aspiration is what elevates its, its holder. Anybody who has high aspiration, anybody who possesses it, it will heighten you. You will be elevated with high aspiration. 
And don't, don't be lagging behind. Don't, don't, uh, don't because of being a, a lagging person or neglecting person, don't become one of those whose actions are wasted. You don't get anything. You have nothing to show at the end. Rabbi ibn Khaytham rahimahullah, he used to constantly recite the following verse and used to cry about it. Suratul Jathiyah, verse 21. أَمْ حَسِبَ الَّذِينَ جَتَرَحُوا السَّيِّئَاتِ أَنَّ جَعَلَهُمْ كَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ سَوَاءٌ مَحْيَاهُمْ وَمَمَاتُهُمْ سَاءَ مَا يَحْكُمُونَ Those people who perpetrate bad deeds, those people who do bad deeds, have they thought that we're going to make them the same we're going to treat them the same way like those who have believed and have done good deeds that their living and dying is going to be the exact same what a bad judgment they have what a evil judgment that is so debilitating so oh at least we're muslim at least we pray at least we do this no there's difference between those who do more and there's Difference between those who do less. A big difference. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give everybody. It's not like everybody's going to get the same. Then what's the point of doing more action? And trying to get the mercy of Allah to your side. So then he used to say, he used to always be crying about this. He used to say, how I wish I knew which one of these, oh my nafs, how I wish I knew which one of these you were. Many of the awliya, they have a name for this verse. They call it Mubkiyatul Abideen. This is the verse that makes the worshippers cry. Like, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? You see, with anything, the more you get into it, the more nuanced and refined you'll be in seeing it. So initially, when somebody starts worshipping, oh, I've done the prayer, alhamdulillah, that's great, I've done the prayer. As you start getting to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more, then it's about, have I done a good prayer? How powerful is my prayer? How refined is my prayer? How is my prayer? How faultless is my prayer? Can you see how the journey of prayer gets longer? So if somebody's still at the journey, that oh man in namaz padli, I've prayed, I've put down a few rakats. Or is it popped out a few rakats? These are different slangs people use. It's put down a few rakats. That's not what it is. It's, it's as we've discussed in the last ones, it's about establishing the prayer. So it becomes more refined. Uh, any game is like that. You play a game of tennis, you play a game of football, man, you're just happy to be on the field with a, with a ball or a racket. But eventually then, every little part becomes separated and then you need to master each section of it. That's how you become good at the whole thing. And the same thing with Salat. Is my standing correct? Are my postures correct? Is my focus correct? Is how I begin my Salat, how I get into it is correct? Is how I end it and what I do afterwards, is that correct? Same thing with Dhikr actually. Initially you're just happy that mashallah I've been able to do 100 tasbihs, alhamdulillah. I've done subhanallah 100 times, alhamdulillah. And that's an achievement. But then eventually like, how much of that did I do correctly? How much did I think of Allah during this time? 
everything. And the thing is, what's really interesting is that we're living in a time when the world has become a very nuanced place. There's nothing you can master easy. Even uh, a simple job of painting, you can't go into a shop and just grab the first can of paint. Because you might buy, you might buy wood paint for the wall that you're trying to do. You can't just buy the first tub of paint. Right? There's just too much choice. Too much choice means there's nuance. So in everything of the world there's nuance, but there's nothing in ibadat, in worship. You just have to do it anyhow. Fasting, the same fasting we've been doing for years, we do it the same way right now. There's no version 2, 3, 4. You know? Allah wants the highest version. La ilaha illa. Allah make it easy for us. And that's why Sahal Ibn Abdullah At-Tustari he used to say about this verse he used to say Laysa ahlul ka mukhalafa." You have to remember that when Allah says that do those people who, ha- who do bad deeds do, you think, uh, do they think that we're going to make them the same as those who do good deeds? Bad dis- uh, the bad judgment they're making? He says no they're not the same because for the people who do good and who conform with everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to the best of their ability. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them in Surah Al-Qamr verse 55, فِي مَقَعَدِ صِدْقٍ عِنْدَ مَلِيكٍ مُقْتَدِرٍ They're going to be in those places of truth, special seats for the people of truth in the hereafter with the capable Lord, the powerful Lord. And those people who opposed fi adab sa'ir, the punishment of hellfire. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow this to benefit us and to make us of the ahlul muwafaqa, the people who do good deeds and who become better uh, with each day as it passes and each month as it passes and each year as it passes and as we get closer to our death. Uh, we make an effort to make all of our qadas up, whether that be of fasting, whether that be of salat. And it's not complicated. As I said, I know a person who had seven years, minimum seven years of uh, prayer. And I remember when he told me he's got seven years of prayer, probably about four or five years ago. I've known him for about four or five years. So, so mashallah, seven years of qada prayer. And I think it wasn't, some of that he didn't completely miss. It was because I think he did masa on his socks or something, for part of that, he, you know, and he wanted to correct it properly. And now, mashallah, within four to five years, I think, since about 2017, he said, Alhamdulillah, I've done my salat. I said, where's your party? I need a party from you. So he said, no, wait, I've got my fasting to make up. So he's got some fasting to make up. And then inshallah I'm hoping for a party. I mean, just to be happy man. Subhanallah. So definitely something to be happy about. May Allah allow us to be debt free before we leave this world. And then we just hope for the best at least. We don't want to go with debts. Then that's really messed up. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakatul jalali wa ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا معدن الجود والكرم 
يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لموتان المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك الله يا الله have mercy on us يا الله you are the most gracious you are the most benevolent you are the most generous oh Allah this world only runs with your generosity it runs with your light oh Allah it runs with whatever you give it oh Allah you're the creator of this world oh Allah we are your servants we are your slaves we are the children of your slaves oh Allah we are there's nothing more than slavehood that we can express to you. Oh Allah, allow us to be true slaves to you. Allow us to not get beyond ourselves. Ya Allah, make us your true ibad. Make us the ibad Allah has, as you have described them in the Quran. Oh Allah, we wake up in the morning and we want to do good. Oh Allah, we listen to something inspirational and we want to change and we want to become better. And then we get distracted. Oh Allah, we are living in a time of huge distractions. In a, li- in, in a time of huge obstacles in our life. Lots of things that make us negligent, that turn us away, that cause us to deviate. Ya Allah, only you can help and guide us. Oh Allah, we thank you for giving us the guidance of Iman. That you made us Muslimin, you made us Mu'mineen. Oh Allah, many, most of us, you brought up us up in Muslim households. You turned us aright. Ya Allah, you allowed us to be here today. You allowed us to remember you. You allowed us to sit here. Oh Allah, that you allowed us to come here. Oh Allah, now we see this as a sign that you want to give us something. Oh Allah, you have told us, you have told us that you are with us the way we think of you. Oh Allah, we think that if you have brought us here and you have allowed us to sit... You have allowed us to do this dhikr. You have allowed us to raise our hands. And that means that you must want to give us something. Oh Allah, do not allow us to turn around after this and go the wrong way. Oh Allah, make us only closer to you now. Oh Allah, allow us, give us the immunity and protection from the shaitan. Oh Allah, we're tired of fighting against him. Oh Allah, grant us afiyah in this world. Oh Allah, you have grant us, granted us more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, you have granted us more than so many others in this world. Do not allow us to use what you have granted us against you. Oh Allah, to disobey you. Oh Allah, allow us to use it for your sake. For what's its purpose? Oh Allah, allow us to see the value of things. Allow us to see the reality of things. Ya Allah, allow us to see the right as the right and allow us to follow it. To see the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. Oh Allah, you've given us many, many capabilities. Oh Allah, you have given us capabilities. Oh Allah, allow us to use these capabilities for your sake. For the khidmah of your deen. For the service of your deen. Oh Allah, accept us all. Do not allow us to go from this world without leaving a legacy. Oh Allah, allow us to make the right investments. This is the time when people are making multiple types of monetary economic investments. Oh Allah, allow us to be successful in the right types of investments. Oh Allah, allow, allow us to have the insight into making the right types of in, investments that not only benefit us in this world, but especially benefit us in the hereafter. 
All right, well, Ya Allah, what would it be if we make investments for this world, but we make no investments for the hereafter? They will have absolutely no use for us. The, here, the, the life of the hereafter is the eternal life. Ya Allah, allow us to make the investments for that. Oh Allah, protect us from debilitating illnesses. Oh Allah, protect us from other debilitating issues. Oh Allah, you be our guide. Guide us aright. Allow us, allow us to be protected, especially our families and our children, the entire Muslim Ummah, from the various different types of new ideas that come about. Oh Allah, bring back insaniyat to the human being, to the insan. Oh Allah, these crazy ideas that people come up with and that are, that, that, that are given some kind of plausibility. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant true understanding. Oh Allah, understanding of what's right to everybody. And oh Allah, allow us to be now contributors in the positive sense, not just to be consumers. Oh Allah, for too long we have been consumers. Oh Allah, allow us to be contributors. Oh Allah, allow us to be true da'is. Allow us to share the good that you, your Prophet gave us. And oh Allah, allow us to share this in the right way with great wisdom and beauty and understanding. Oh Allah, remove the oppression that our brothers and sisters are feeling around the world. Oh Allah, help our brothers and sisters in the many parts that are, that are suffering calamities. Whether that be in Masjid Laksa and Palestine, whether that be in India, Oh Allah, and especially the people who are now suffering because of the floods in Bangladesh and the people who are suffering because of the earthquake in Afghanistan. Oh Allah, you have sent this. Oh Allah, now grant them sabr, grant them relief. All of this comes from you. Oh Allah, we know these are just signs from you. These are just signs that you're just asserting your signs. And our job is to do sabr when calamity hits. But oh Allah, we ask you for afiyah for them and us. Oh Allah, we ask you for afiyah for them and us and allow us to help them in the way that's most, uh, most effective and beneficial. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us part of the global ummah, not to just be individuals, selfish individuals, but oh Allah, make us of the global ummah to have the true brotherhood that is required of the believers for us, for the entire Muslim ummah to become like a single body that one part hurts when the other part is pained. Oh Allah, make us of those with that kind of empathy, empathy and concern. Oh Allah, but protect us from extreme, protect us from exaggeration, protect us from shortcoming, protect us from the wrong and falling sway to the wrongdoers and, from the, and, and the shaitan. Oh Allah, accept our du'as and bless all of those who make this, who make this, uh, who organize this and who attend this. Oh Allah, bless all of us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of 
most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.